There you go. Good morning, you guys. I've got my coffee up here. I should have set that down before I took the mic, so bear with me. What? Oh. You got a little spot right Like here. right here, yeah. That's fantastic. This is how you know I'm a true addict. And this is confessions right now. This is my coffee. I preach better with it. So you can all praise Jesus that I have it today. <laughs> Greetings, you guys. Greetings from Spokane, from Destination Church, also from River's Edge Church in Spokane. We have two churches there uh, working together. Actually, two weeks ago, we did a, a pulpit swap, and Matt Deason from River's Edge Church was speaking at our church destination, and I was speaking and kind of doing a prophetic worship time for them at River's Edge. So we're, we're all kind of trading around these days. This is really fun uh, to be a part of a broader family of churches, each of us on mission in our own cities, uh, and that's across the nations. JR asked me if I would... Uh, make sure you all are aware that this Saturday morning, I believe it's 10 a.m. for you guys, 9 a.m. for us in Washington, our Regions Beyond family from around the world is praying for the Americas. And they said, we would love to pray for what God is doing in the U.S., specifically in Montana and in Washington State, and then we'll also be praying for our works into Mexico. We have several churches in central Mexico, Guadalajara area, and a couple of churches down in Rio in Brazil. Come on, who wants to go on a mission trip to Rio? Oh, yeah. I, I, we don't even have one planned yet, but I think we just got a yes. <laughs> Suffering for Jesus in Brazil on white sandy beaches. Mm, I'm in. I'm in. Becca's laughing at me. I've been there, done it, can't wait to go again. But this Saturday, we are praying, and the world is praying for us. And I'll make sure that JR has a link. I get to host it. So, you, sorry, you'll have to put up with me. But I get to host it, and then we'll. I'll be praying. So we'll make sure you've got that link. And anything else I need to say about that? Nope. Okay. We are good. Caleb Adams. Caleb Adams. We have several Calebs around. Caleb Schwabauer is from here. We have Caleb also meeting with Caleb Adams and Caleb Adams' friend Caleb. They all meet with us on Friday mornings for Bible study and, and just prayer together. And so sometimes it's me and my son-in-law and the Calebs, that's what we call it. But Caleb Schwabauer from you guys is really doing excellently with us in Spokane. And I just want to commend uh, you guys the young people that we get to engage with, we've rubbed shoulders a lot like at summer camp and things. You guys are raising up some fine young men and women. And so we are blessed to have Caleb with us. He said, please greet Mount Helena for me. So hello from Caleb. And if you think of it, Caleb is serving with us. And he's three days a week, we have him doing an after-school basketball program. Shocking, I know, that Caleb would play basketball after school basketball program with Youth for Christ. And 
young people who come from a very challenged neighborhood will come into Youth for Christ and, and play basketball. And there's one young man in particular named Riley who has been building a relationship with Caleb. And Caleb is praying for Riley. Uh, he's not a Christian at this point, but Caleb is kind of his main connection to Jesus right now. So would you be praying for Caleb and for Riley? We want to see Riley coming alive, and we're going to be talking about coming alive uh, and the life that God has for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's just pray before we dive into the word. Father, I want to thank you that it's your heart for us to be alive on your mission, alive and partnering with you. Thank you, Lord. You didn't leave us dead in our sin. You didn't leave us just as kind of zombies walking around the world, but you have called us into life. And Father, just think of that young man, Riley, right now. Lord, I ask that, that he would hear your call. He would hear your call, like just like Lazarus, and you're calling Lazarus out of the grave. Lord, that Riley would hear your call. Lord, you would use Caleb and other, other young men around him that we would see this man come to faith. Father, we pray that this morning you would call us all to life, greater life in you, the adventure that you have for us in you. Lord, we ask for it and call for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. That's always risky in a new church. Who knows what you're going to say when they say, everybody said, coffee break. <laughs> Our church has been going through uh, a series in Ephesians, which is one of my favorite books, uh, one of my favorite of, of Paul's letters. In fact, it's been said, if Martin Luther would have discovered Ephesians like he discovered Galatians, we may have seen a very different flavor to the Western church because Ephesians is so much about the mission of God. The, the grace of God, yes, and we're going to talk about grace today. You can see on the screen, it says, by grace through faith. Uh, and you may recognize already where we're going. It will be on the screen here, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the first 10 verses today. And there's a mouthful. I wish I could just preach every verse of this but we're going to get into some good stuff. So this, it's the ESV that will be on the screen. Read along in whatever passage you have. This is the most encouraging. Are you ready for this? And you were dead. Thank you, John. That's all you needed to come for today, right? You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, I'm so glad it didn't stop there, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive 
together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Here it is again, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How's that for a mouthful? It's said that all of Paul's theology can be summed up in verse five of what we just read. Even while we were dead in our trespass, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We're going to get into the why of this today. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the, on the early verses, although this is fun stuff. But we're going we're gonna to breeze pretty quickly through the beginning. Before Christ, before you met Jesus, and some of you, maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm still figuring out if I even really want to meet this Jesus. Well, all of us, Way worse than me before coffee in the morning. Way worse. And I did. It was the first thing I did when I got up this morning. It was I, I hunted down, figured out how to make the coffee in the coffee maker uh, where we were staying at the Stunbergs. Thank you so much for hosting us. I had to get the coffee in me so that I could get Jesus in me. How bad is that? <laughs> I'm like the dead walking before my coffee. Before Christ... Worse than that, we all were once dead in our sins. We're dead. We're like the walking dead. It says not only are we dead, we're we're sons of disobedience, children of willful, stubborn disobedience against God. And because of that, all of us, not, not just like Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, has, has Jews and Gentiles in the church. And he's like, yeah, the, the Jewish people who you guys were raised in religion, you were raised with so much good, and yet you're also dead. And you Gentiles who came from a completely different background, all the promises of God, you didn't even know about it. Yeah, you guys too, you were dead. And he describes all of them and all of us as children of wrath. This is horrible news. Children of wrath. That means the nice people, the salt of the earth people, your favorite people in the world, all of us, children of wrath, dead in our sins, like walking around the world dead. You know you can call out to a dead person, and you can say to that dead person, come on and live the mission with us. And you know what that dead person is going to do? Nothing. You can shout it. 
You can, you can like coerce. I could get after you guys like, man, you got to be a part of this. You got to be a part of this. There's so much good mission for us to be on. And yet until God calls you into life, it's dead. And so are you dead. But God doesn't leave it there and he doesn't leave us there. Thank God. In Christ, we have been made alive, spiritually made alive. It means that now those of us who could not respond to the good news of Jesus, we could not respond to this amazing call of God, the amazing mission that God is already on across the nations. He was on mission in Spokane long before he called Beck and I to move to Spokane. And we recognize that. Like there was an amazing work of God that has been going on there for well over 100 years. There's been people coming to Christ. There's been people being physically healed, people being emotionally healed, people set free, marriages restored, people getting called into mission, going out from Spokane across the nations. And we actually said, God, why are you even sending us to Spokane? It's like a city of churches. There's churches everywhere. There's good churches. People that are feeding the poor, caring for the homeless, sending out resource and people across the nations. Why Spokane? And it was just kind of like God was like, because I'm going to do a new thing. And I'm calling you. It's almost like I'm asking you to do it. Will you trust me? Absolutely. And I remember telling our church in Missoula, because we actually came from, Beck and I were a part of Revive in Missoula. I don't know how many of you guys even know who that is. Revive Church in Missoula. All the young people are like, oh yeah, we hang out with them. Yeah, we were there. I was on staff there for 14 years. I actually went to college with Jason Harris. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, I remember Jason coming in after rodeo, <laughs> rodeo competitions with broken this and broken that. And, but Beck and I were there, and we were all falling in love with Jesus together. And then God's sending us out, sending us out on mission. And all we do is we say yes. God, what is it that you have for me to do? What do you want me to be doing? What are you calling me to be doing? And we say yes. And I remember standing before our church and saying, I'm so confident, not in me, because I'm actually not that confident in me. I'm so confident in God And the God who saved me and the God who called me from religious death into life, that if he is saying Spokane, that we could go and and put all the effort we can into this in faith, and even if we fail, we know that God's got us. And even if we completely fall on our faces, we know we're secure in the grace of God. And you know what happens when you get secure in the grace of God? You can run hard. You can take big risks. Do you know what happened to the church we went to plant in Spokane? It closed. We failed. I stand before you today as a glorious failed church planter. Confident 
in the grace of God. And you know what we're doing? We're planting again into Spokane. Why? Because God said Spokane, and he didn't release us from it. And we're like, everything's falling apart, and nothing's going right. And you start realizing how much we were still confident in our own dead flesh. And God wanted us confident in him. I think we're still learning. In Christ, we are made alive. And this isn't just a hype. Like, come on, guys, let's get hyped out and get on the mission. It's a deep life. You're made alive. You're made spiritually alive. You're now able to respond in faith to big, dangerous things and even day in and day out faithful things because you have a spiritual life in you that is powered by God himself. Paul says, not only were you made spiritually alive together with Christ, he emphasizes, you have been saved, rescued by grace. And definition is very important here. Saved by grace. Grace is, is, is there's two parts to this. And the first part we all know, I think, very well. Grace means it's unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor. You're saved by the unearned. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. In fact, you do not deserve it. But you're saved by this grace. God's saying, I choose you. I love you. I want you. Why would you love me? Why would you want me? Because I want you. Because I love you. Because I have a great mission in the earth that I'm on and I want you on it with me. Why? Because I love you. It's unmerited, unearned favor. Secondly, it's also this, divine empowerment. When you get this idea that I didn't earn this. This is completely of God, but also the enablement to do what he's calling me to do is also completely of God. And he's empowering you to walk out impossible things. He's empowering you, like really, really impossible things. Like Republicans and Democrats can worship Jesus together and love each other. Really impossible things. Ooh, I know it's crazy, right? It's like out there stuff. Now, I'm not that old. Well, the picture you had of me, I'm even less old. That was, I was like, man, I have way fewer grays in that picture. That was great. I'm 44. I've never seen our nation in my lifetime more divided than it is right now. Some things about it just seem almost ridiculously impossible. And yet, God is on a mission. And God loves Helena, Montana. And God loves Spokane, Washington. And Missoula, Montana. You know, like all the like really crazy people. <laughs> all the Grizz fans live there. Go Grizz. I'm a Grizz. <laughs> and Grizz fans and cat fans. We can all live together. It's amazing. That's kingdom stuff right there. When we, sorry, this is an aside. When, when Beck and I were in college, we were both in the marching band at the University of Montana. I played trumpet in the marching band. When it was, when it was the brawl of the wild, 
It was, it was game day. If that game was in Bozeman, we were all like sternly warned, you do not go anywhere in this stadium, anywhere by yourself. You must be in at least groups of two. And then we got there and we realized why. Missoula has all the hippies, guys like me. <laughs> Bozeman had all the cowboys. <laughs> and we were like, these guys can kick our tails and they seem to sound like they would like to. And I'm like, you realize I'm just in the band, right? Like, you can take me out and it won't affect the game in the slightest. <laughs> God's uniting, my point is. God is uniting people. It seems like maybe impossible, but he's actually resting on you and on, on me. He's, he's not only giving you a favor that you did not deserve, he's giving you an empowerment that you also did not deserve to carry out his will in our day, in our time, in the political crazy season that we live in, and, and in the socially confused time that we live in, you have been born for such a time as this. Each of us can say that. We've been born for now. That means God has a kingdom purpose for us now. So we've been given unmerited favor, divine empowerment. We've been raised up with Christ not only raised up with him, but seated in heavenly places with him, the place of, of kingdom authority, the place of the presence of God, close nearness to the presence of God and the power of God. This is where we are positionally right now. Here we are hanging out, Mount Helena Community Church, hanging out, got great chairs, comfy, but right now we are also seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been given a dignity we did not deserve. And the word here says that God is revealing through us the immeasurable grace and kindness that's his. It's who he is. Immeasurable grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And Paul goes back in and he emphasizes for a little while. This is by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith. Now I told you, Beck and I were in the, in the marching band at University of Montana. You, you would know, if, if you ever played football, the last thing you want to do in any game is send out the trumpet players or maybe the clarinetists you don't want to send them out against the offensive line of the opposing team. It's a terrible idea. I had a friend who was actually on the offensive line of the Grizz when we were there. He was a big boy, probably 300 pounds. He could put me down in a heartbeat because I was, I was this tall but way younger and like a string bean, very, very, almost, almost unhealthily skinny. You definitely wouldn't want me on that line. Dave, on the other hand, great on that line. But Dave was third string, and he didn't get a lot of playing time. 
But that year, we got to travel with the team and play at Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia, and we won. We had all been holding up signs, like trying to get ESPN's attention. All I want for Christmas is a national championship, all that fun stuff. We believe, we believe. Dave wears this big national championship ring on his finger. You know how much playing time he had in that game? Pretty close to zero. I don't remember if he got any plays at all. He could have. But he wears that ring because of the work of someone else. But he gets the reward, just like the star quarterback. He gets the reward even though he didn't play in that game. Paul says, you're saved by grace through faith, and this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. Your reward in Christ is not your own doing. If we pulled some other scriptures into the mix, we won't do it today. We'd find out that even the faith to believe was a gift. The very faith when you said, yes, I believe, I can hear this message, and I get it, and I believe, is because God called you from death into life and enabled you to believe. Your faith comes from him. That doesn't just end at salvation. Your faith to step out. I listened to JR's message. Actually, I watched it on, on your website from last week. As JR's calling you guys into living the mission, bold. It was bold, JR. It was good. And not legalistically bold. It was good. Why can you respond to that? Because of God's grace in your life. Because of God's grace sparking faith in you and enabling you to believe that you could be on mission. It's not just Jason. It's not just Jeff. It's not just JR. It's not just your key leaders around you. But as, as you're hearing the message, you're hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you go, wow, I, I'm, I could be a part of this mission. That is God working in you. So you can receive it and you can enjoy it. And what's great is that it's not your good deeds that save you. This is the best news, you guys. It's not how impressive you are to JR or to Jesus. It's just trusting Jesus. We're trusting Jesus. Your good deeds have never saved you. They never will. You didn't believe hard enough. You won't believe hard enough. You didn't work hard enough. You won't work hard enough. Although, guess what? You will work hard. Because faith is rising in your heart. You will step out into great areas of mission in Helena and across the nations. Some of you, I, you know, say, hey, maybe you could come and be on mission in Spokane. We'll take you. But it's not those good works. It's not those, those, those intense things you do for God that are giving you spiritual worth. 
It's Christ himself and his righteousness credited to you. He has made you worthy. He's called you into life, and now he's calling you into mission. And this is where it gets exciting to me, as if the rest of this isn't exciting enough. Why did he do this? But God, being rich in mercy, this is verse four again, because of the great love with which he loved us when we were dead, when we were dead in our sins. Why does God do this? Why has he saved you? Why has he called you? Why is he continuing to challenge you and put you around these leaders who are prodding you? Because he loves you. question is, do you believe that? Does God really love me? Could God, could God love me? But you don't, you didn't see me last night at the bar. You didn't see me Thursday when I blew up at my kids. You didn't see me this last week. Could God really love this? That's exactly what Paul is saying. He loved you when you were dead (laughs) He loved me when I was dead in religion and good works, trying to earn my way to heaven. I was raised in, in a very legalistic Christian denomination. We had zero security in Christ, zero understanding of the grace of God. We did a lot of good works because we were trying to earn our place with Christ. And it was dead. And Jesus comes in and he saves us in our deadness, in your deadness, because he loves you. And because God says, I'm going to bring glory. God's going to bring himself glory, actually, through you. Through the gospel at work in you in difficult circumstances, When Beck and I moved to Spokane, and for five years, we describe it as four-wheel drive and chains, and everything that is supposed to work with church planting didn't. It was like we kept running. It was almost like we kept running, almost, like we kept running head-on into the sovereignty of God. (laughs) As God's like, I am breaking you. I am breaking you. There's something in you that I'm actually bringing to death. And this prophetic word came as we were praying about, do we keep Grace Church alive? This prophetic word came and said, no, like I, God, am planting Grace Church into the ground as a seed. And I'm actually planting you into the ground as a seed. Stop trying to keep it on life support. I'm trying to plant a seed. Like, come on, who wants to hear that prophetic word? Like, I'm going for it in faith. And God's saying, stop, let it die. Now the people, not the people, the people, they're still serving Jesus. In fact, some of them are at River's Edge Church serving Jesus. Some of them are back with us again serving Jesus. God knows what he's doing, you guys, and he may call you into things. Not just, I'm calling you into success. I'm calling you into easy. No, Jesus says, hey, guys, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And yet, we know that 
his disciples. Many of them died for their faith. It sounds like failure. But God's calling us on a mission, not about how successful is this going to be, but how much following Jesus in faith and in relationship. Jesus is going to bring himself glory, not just through your successes, but in the way that you respond, even in your failures. As people look at you and go, why the heck are you serving Jesus still? That's what Job's friends were saying about him. Why the heck are you still serving God? Even his wife said, curse God and die. But God's bringing himself glory through helping you to persevere. It says that he's going to keep, not just in this age, but in coming ages, age after age after age, we're all going to be discovering and realizing just how amazing God is. And some of that's going to be through one another's stories. Not just of easy, but of hard and how God has helped you in the hard. And we finally get to the end here. All of this. This isn't, this isn't a result of works so that no one may boast. Because guess what? You are the work. You are the work. says, we We are his workmanship. You are God's work. And the word that's used here is so fantastic. The Greek word is poema. It's where we get our English word poem. You are God's poem, his master poem. You are his work of art. You are his, some try that again, easy for me to say. Some translations will say you are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created in Christ Jesus to be on mission. We're called to live the mission, but we're not earning our favor through living the mission. Our favor comes from Christ. We're totally 100% secure in his righteousness credited to us. His life credited to us. And now God says, but get this, you guys. I formed you and you are my work of art. I'm writing your life as a poem. I'm writing you out and I have good works in the poem. I have good things that I have prepared for you in advance. I have written this ahead of time. I have prepared good works for you. I have prepared mission for you. Now, how different is it to say, we've got to get out there and save the world. Helena is depending on us. That sounds terrifying. So different than God saying, I love Helena. And I am writing you into the story of Helena. It may be other cities, other nations that are on your heart. And God's saying, I love it. Like for Beck and I, it was like a cannon hit me in the gut. And I couldn't wait to get to Spokane. 
because I knew God was saying, I have a mission for you in Spokane. No one's twisting my arm. Like, come on, we need another church in Spokane. 200 is not enough. (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating. I couldn't wait because I recognized it was God calling me into the mission that he's already writing. And you are a part of that mission. God is calling each of us into his mission that he has been writing for our lives. You were prepared for mission. And God has mission prepared for you that you get to walk out in his grace. The favor that he has on on your life, you guys, is like indescribable. The calling that he has placed on the lives of every one of us in here, it's like immeasurable. And we get to be a part of it. Wow. Here's what my notes say at the very end of my page. And it's my last page. God has chosen to revive us by his grace and to revive others through the display of his grace through us as his church. His wisdom is being revealed through the church, his people, the demonstration of his grace. That's what we're called into. Father, I pray right now for Mount Helena Community Church Lord, that you would just freshly open the eyes of every man, woman, and child to the riches of your grace, the riches of of your favor. Lord, open our eyes to the calling that you have placed on us. And when we shake our heads and say, who am I? You turn our eyes back to you and say, wow, who is this Jesus? Who is this amazing Jesus that calls us into mission? Who is this amazing God that writes us into his masterpiece of history? Lord, I pray right now for a supernatural, divine enablement that comes from security in Christ. Lord, where it's already taken root in people's lives, I just pray that it would begin to grow up, that there would be fruit from this. For some people, maybe they've never entered into this. Lord, that you would cause the seeds of your grace to be planted well into hearts. Father, we ask for your mission on the earth in our day, in our time, right here in Helena, Montana, in Spokane, Washington, and across the nations of the earth. Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.